Um dia de sol Eu fui pra trabalhar Beautiful souls, I'm Camille. And this is Erica of the Healthcare from the Soul, the Healer's Journey podcast where we listen to stories from heart-centered healthcare providers who are rewriting their story as healers of this world. Now more than ever, they feel dissonance within themselves and the system and are answering their soul's calling for something more. Erica and Camille host retreats around the globe for healthcare professionals interested in discovering more about their life's purpose in the healing arts. To learn more, head on over to the show notes. Let's go to the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Hello. This episode is just going to be with Erica and Camille as we talk a little bit about workplace trauma. And before you say this does not pertain to you, please hold tight as we define what workplace trauma is. Um, but before we get into it, I wanted to say that neither Eric and I purport to be experts in the area. So what we're going to provide you is with anecdotal and experiential perspective of what workplace trauma is to us in some of the research that we've done on it. Also, I'm Erica. And this is Healthcare from the Soul. And it's been a minute since we've been on here, but we are two retired-ish physician assistants who look to new ways of providing healthcare and working in the healing arts. And we interview people usually, but today we wanted to talk about workplace trauma and the effects it can have on us. Yeah. So we get questions from our listeners and, or actually not really questions, but more about their story. And this is something that had come up. And one of the stories that we heard from one of our listeners, it was specifically about toxic workplace. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But we first want to say that workplace trauma has been associated with people working in professions like the military and firefighting and police and first responders, and also has been studied a lot within physician groups in the ER and other really high stress jobs. So this isn't just for people who have who have seen trauma um, in the workplace based on that being part of their job, but even in high stress jobs that people can experience trauma. Right, right. And we it's interesting too when we're really thinking and looking and researching about workplace trauma is that first and foremost it's about identifying if the trauma is something that you're perceiving because it's something that you are bringing into the workplace right versus what's like trauma that's ancestral generational personal present current from your life outside of the workplace or Right. Is it trauma that is happening within the workplace? And harassment, bullying, racism, sexism, job insecurity. Yeah. Not feeling supported. Yeah. And so first and foremost, we always want to come back to self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the first step with anything is identifying if 
if this is something that you feel resonates with you, and it can be both because the majority of us have had some sort of external or trauma within our lives or ancestral trauma, as well as experiencing it in the workplace. But it kind of, um, as we talk later on about what we can do about it, it will help if you can differentiate that, it will help you figure out what the uh, path to healing is. Yeah. So we're wanting to make sure that workplace trauma or work associated trauma is it can be it's like a multi-layered experience for the individual and it becomes more so from our perspective because we're healthcare from the soul when you're in healthcare because there's the trauma that happens in your life personally or that you've carried there's the trauma that happens in the workplace because of the profession. So whether you're in an acute care clinic, an intensive care, critical care, and you're having like deaths and like physical trauma or abuse, and you're seeing that day in and day out. And then there's the trauma that happens because of the system itself and the way it's been built and has operated for so long that can affect us on different levels. And then I'm sure there's another level of that trauma as well. Right. And then so like the systemic trauma, Mm -hmm. just based on um, the way that the system has been created. And then also on a more, I guess you could say a local level, like within your Mm -hmm. own, you know, clinic or um, if you're in the hospital setting and yeah, floor or wherever that is. Right. Right. You have that type of dynamic. Yeah. And then it goes back to like a little bit of the history of the healthcare system. So it was essentially built for physical trauma. And with that came obvious mental and emotional and spiritual trauma, right? And it's been built on a very militant level, right? Like, I always go back to, I can't remember his name right now, but he, um, out of Baylor and he came from the military into a teaching institution and the way that he operated, the way that he taught was very much based on his past and his history and his teachings, which was very militant, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a hierarchy, there's supervisors that you have to report to, there's inherent harassment and abuse and neglect and bullying that comes with that type of approach. And so that's carried on us as healthcare professionals, or that can be carried within us. And then there's like sexism. I was just listening to a story of uh, Dr. Pamela Weibel. If you don't know her, she does a lot of work with, um, physician or healthcare worker, depression, anxiety, and suicide. And she was talking about how when her mom was in the, in medical school, she, in the 1960s, like the experience was she was one of eight women and she was called Mr. Weibel for the first year of her training because she was taking up the space of a man. And then I'm sure throughout the last like in the 90s, 80s, 70s, 
there's been lots of changes in the dynamic between women and men in the healthcare training and in the workplace. What else? Racism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Personally, I've experienced what I felt was a racial discrimination for a job that I was applying to. And I had all my evidence, right? Like everybody who had been let go of by that point had been a person of color. I had all of my research done and I felt like I was being discriminated against because of the color of my skin, because of my race, because of my ethnicity. And so these are all things that we have all experienced at one point of another or another, whether you're a person of color, whether you're a woman, whether you're whatever your experience, it's part of the system and it exists and it's there and it's being collapsed as we speak, but it's still prevalent, mm-hmm. right? And so what does this feel like? Yeah. So what does trauma feel like in the body or workplace trauma feel like in the body? This can look like really disassociating from your patient's experience, mm-hmm. right? So having a little bit of apathy towards what their experience is, or even maybe even the outcome of their experience in the work, um, in the medical setting. Right. Um, it can look like anxiety pre-shift. So pre-going to work, that anxiety of not being able to sleep at night because mm-hmm. you're up at night mm-hmm. ruminating about what could potentially happen at work. When you're at work, you can feel um, on edge. Um, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. I think overwhelmed is a really good um, word to use for really what anxiety can feel like in the body, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we just feel like there's too much and we can't focus on one particular area. Um, scared. Um, fearful. Insecure. Insecure. It can actually even look like everybody's out to get you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's where we can get a lot of our training that the world is out to get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can look like that we are maybe what could seem like um, overreacting to small things. Mm-hmm. Um, an experience that I had is I was called into the manager's office because I hadn't, this was back in the days when we did paper charting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, uh, you, the, a new policy was enacted that we had to time and date at the very beginning of our note. And then we had a time and date at the very end of our note. And so I was pulled into the manager's office because I just kept missing the time and date at the end of the chart. And I had, uh, when they were auditing my chart, it had been like five times, right? And so they pulled me mid shift and it was a, you know, very high intensity job and uh, with high acuity patients. And I just remember just breaking down. I was irate. I was like, are you kidding me that this is what is most important to you right now? And I just, you know, was experiencing somebody who's having a very traumatic experience as well as myself experiencing a very traumatic experience. 
um, by working in this high stress field. So I was irate. I was in tears. I couldn't believe that she would have the audacity to have this discussion with me ever, much less in the middle of my shift. Um, and looking back on that now, that actually should have been something where I was able to self-regulate enough to be able to have that discussion in a calm way, either. Okay, fine. I'll get better at it. Or I know, can't have this discussion right now. I can't have this Give discussion me. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Creating Boundary. boundaries, which we'll get into. Yeah, and the inability to self-regulate. And it's really hard to do that, especially when we're not self-aware of our of the trauma that we're experiencing. And um, so when we're in a moment where we're reactionary, we can't really bring it back in, especially if we don't know that's what's going on. Yeah, I think that's the biggest part of it, right? Is the self-awareness and becoming cognizant what it is that you're feeling in that moment and not, and knowing when you have to put up those boundaries or knowing when you have to step away. I remember a, a time and really it's up to us to learn these triggers and to be able to step away because we're not taught any of this in school. We're not taught any of this in training. There was a time when I was working in the ER and this woman had come in for anaphylactic shock and she was almost about to flatline. <laughs> and this, the ER doc came in and we just started working on her. And it was a very, it was, it was a beautiful situation. And she came back and, um, I just remember being like, there were like eight of us in there. And after she was shipped out, this was in an urgent care. She was sent in an ambulance. The ER doc said, we have to debrief. We have to like actually talk through what just happened. We're all at very high, you know, like, do we have to step outside and take a walk? Do we have to, you know, what do we have to do to debrief from this experience? And it took all of like three minutes for her to just talk to us and we each got what we needed. And then we went on to the next patient, which may have been high acuity as well. And there was, it didn't feel like I was resourced enough to go on to the next patient. And I still had six hours in my shift. And so I, we, we don't do that typically. It's not something that we, after something like that happens, or if, you know, we have a patient die on the table, like we don't take a half an hour, an hour to go debrief because we can't, because mm -hmm. we have to go see the other patients. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of healthcare workers is like, especially in the last few years, this happened mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there, there definitely is when we are in, when we don't have the time to step away for mm -hmm. an hour, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is very true mm -hmm. when we have patients lined up, it's okay to then compartmentalize it. Right. So right. it's like, okay, I'm going to put this over here until I'm finished with my shift. But the thing is, is that a lot of the times we don't pick it back up mm -hmm. because we're on to the next thing, right? right. We are going to go out with our coworkers and 
and drink or have happy hour yeah. or we're going to go home to our families or we're going to sleep or whatever it may be. And then we're like, well, actually now I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. And so it's layer upon layer upon layer of trauma that occurs. And so if it's something that your workplace doesn't provide, and actually there are so many resources now, I feel like mm -hmm. more than even five years ago, um, where they have assist like, um, they have automated support. Yeah, not automated, but they have uh, like online or oh, yeah. through via phone um, where you can receive support from counselors and therapists and stuff um, to support you through those. But it's, it becomes your responsibility to really pick that back up mm -hmm. and unpack it so it doesn't get thicker and thicker. Yeah, because like, it does, the issues get in our tissues. It's been scientifically proven that we walk around with emotions stuck in our muscles in our organs and if we don't get them out especially after a 12-hour shift where you just were up and down and up and down and up and down then it's going to stick there and it's going to stay there and it's going to stay there for as long as it needs to until it becomes a pain or a disease or or you blow up and mm -hmm. rage it's so important, so, so, so important to identify it, be aware of it and target it. If, if, yeah, if you want to continue being a, a productive and emotionally available, resilient, resilient human, human being, <laughs> not just employee or healthcare worker, but human. This is a really, really important uh, piece to add to when we're looking at how does it show up and it can show up as pain, the stomach ache, the acid reflux, the headaches, the muscle twitches, the muscle twitches, right? The eye twitch mm -hmm. and Gabor Mate, which we'll tell another story about him in a little bit, but Gabor Mate has this practice where Gabor Monte is a, a physician, a Canadian physician who studies a lot about trauma and trauma and addiction. And he says that when you have physical pain, that you actually put your hand on the area where you're having physical pain and ask your body what it's trying to tell you. And that may be an interesting thing to do when mm -hmm. you are like waking up in the morning or after a shift and you have this pain, because usually it occurs you'll notice it that it's occurring around the time when you're going to work. So on the weekend, it might dissipate. And again, we're not giving medical advice. Um, but if it's dissipating during the weekends and then comes back the night before, maybe just gently put your hand on your body and ask your body what it's trying to tell you and see if you hear anything. Yeah, that's a beautiful exercise. And I think that we ignore our bodies and they're so intelligent and they're so... They have so much to give us if we treat them right. And I think a lot of as caregivers feel like we have to overgive. And that is definitely not the case. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the Gabor Mate interview on Tim Ferriss, if you all listen to podcasts, I recommend going to listen to that. He took a group of physicians down to Peru and was for a plant medicine ceremony. And they 
on the first night of the healing, the shamans went up to him and said, you have to leave. You are disrupting the collective experience for these doctors. And it's because you have so much, they said that he had darkness to him. And so that he had trauma that he hadn't processed that he needed to let go. And so he ended up having his own personal five-day shamanic experience, uh, plant medicine experience. And the shamans also told him that, or the medicine men, women, um, maestros and maestras, maestras, told him that they thought when he called and said, we're bringing 24 healthcare professionals, they were physicians, psychiatrists from all over the world, that it was going to be an easy gig because they themselves are healers. And so they were, they had the expectations that these people, that these professionals were also as resourced as them and that they had processed all the things that they had gone through. And this wasn't the case. This ended up being the most challenging group for them to work with. And so that spoke volumes to me about where we are as a medical culture that again, not only do we have our own personal traumas and maybe we experience workplace trauma ourselves, but just the ancestral and generational trauma that has Mm -hmm. existed in our bodies, in our DNAs as a profession, as healers, because I believe that we come into this world knowing that we're going to be healers with that destiny and it can manifest in many different ways, which is what the podcast is about. And it's also that we have to that it is our responsibility to break the cycle for any healers in the future mm-hmm. and for the that the entire healthcare system as a whole, but that's a big weight pressure, a big weight mm-hmm. to carry. And it starts with the individual, right? Mm-hmm. Like when this vessel is clean and when this person who is a healer is able to process all of the trauma, all of it, all of it, every single from the most like the most horrific to the most benign, then that's when the healthcare will sy- system will shift as a whole. Mm, nice. Yeah. And I think too, if we just think about it as the shamans were telling Gabor Mate about show about how his energy would shift the whole group's energy. It's thinking even just on this, um, again, like this local level of you and the interaction that you're having with your patients, you're showing up with this, I don't want to call it trauma baggage, but this trauma, then that's what you're, you're sharing and shedding onto your, onto your patient. It's like any relationship, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's also this idea of as a, as a healer, as a provider, if we ourselves aren't healed, then how can we really truly expect for somebody else to? And so even if that come even if we even if that's a subconscious belief it's still there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and how much quickly then everyone can heal Mm -hmm. when we then work from Mm -hmm. a place of being healed right the whole premise of this podcast too right yeah we have multiple premises of this podcast (laughs) um so what erica uh do people do so first we have to identify Mm -hmm. trauma that we are be aware of it Mm -hmm. are we experiencing are we bringing trauma 
from our life mm-hmm. um, outside of the work? Are we experiencing trauma inside of the workplace mm-hmm. or even prior workplaces? Right. And are we bringing it into this experience? Right. right. So first identifying that. Right. And what then, story are you telling? Yeah. Right. What story are you, te- are you telling mm-hmm. yourself about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, always the next question I like to ask is, is it true? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I released it, what would it do for my life? Right. Or if I stopped believing it, what would it do for my life? But that's another. But yeah. <laughs> well, that's a huge one. Yeah, though, right? yeah exactly. Like, we have bought into the stories about workplace trauma or work-associated trauma. And we just run with it because it's the easiest thing to run with. It's, yeah, it feels safe and familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if we've been in the system for decades. Yeah. It does feel very, it feels the norm, like the norm. It is. Like if we don't have, if we don't have drama in the workplace, which drama is trauma. Addiction. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Then something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Then maybe we even have to create it. Um, so once we identify mm-hmm. which one we may have, then what do we do? How well, can we, how this can we is actually that? Camille's magic, right? The self-responsibility part. We have to take self-responsibility and figure out what it is for us, what self-resourced means. And I've been disconnected from the healthcare world for so long. I couldn't even remember like what I would do for myself. And Camille had some good suggestions but the very first thing is that you have to identify it you have to take self-responsibility and then you have to make a choice what is the choice that you're going to make am i going to continue taking this stuff home and just shoving it down or am i going to actually do something about it and what it is what can i do about it your body will tell you your intuition will tell you your inner voice will tell you and there's endless modalities and techniques and tools that you have at your disposal that are easy and simple and accessible and free and more than likely the one thing that your intuition is going to tell you is to take a break to rest take a beat take a beat and that for so many of us is is hard right because we feel a lot of us feel value in being a provider um, and part of potentially the toxic workplace is, is that we feel like we're made to feel like we can't take a break, that mm-hmm. we'd be putting the burden on everybody else in our work space if we took a break. So even if we do have the time available to us through PTO or whatever your contract says, we are made felt we are made to feel like we actually can't take it because it's taking from someone else. So, you know, identifying that, but taking a break. And sometimes that even means a sabbatical. So my sabbatical lasted, well, into retirement. <laughs> um, but interestingly, thinking back on it, is that my breaks, you know, I would go from a long weekend to a week to two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think at one point mm-hmm. I even took three weeks off. If I if my memory serves me correctly, I can't um, recall that 100%. But they stretched out more and more because I needed more time. Mm-hmm. Um and so, but really that might be like taking an extended break mm-hmm. for you to really reset your nervous system. Cause this all really comes back to the dysregulation of the nervous system. And so you need to allow for the neuroplasticity to do its magic. 
by resting. Right. And then by resting and re- feeling, experiencing what it's like to truly rest and give yourself space away from that consistent, I want to say it's just that consistent fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Mode. it will feel very uncomfortable at first to go in to your workspace or your manager's office and say, I need to take this time. It will feel very uncomfortable, but it won't feel very uncomfortable for very long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you'll survive because you just, you, you're surviving an uncomfortable daily works you know, work practice anyway, that you can push through that, that discomfort in order to have freedom and autonomy and your own personal, I don't know, courage and strength. And then when you're actually in the space where you're taking rest, there might be some discomfort there too, when we're actually, you know, facing, (laughs) we're actually confronting the woman in the mirror, which is beautiful too because then that's when you can really look out and find what resources are going to be most beneficial for you because what works for me may not work for erica and vice versa anywhere from talk therapy to sound therapy to journaling journaling to nature i went and walked the camino de santiago (laughs) yes you did (laughs) yeah it doesn't have to be that extreme and and you can There's do that too. So many things. <laughs> oh, we should. You should do an episode on that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I should. That'd be fun. So what else? Yeah. So we looked at what PTO you have. Maybe you start looking for other jobs. We're doing a talk on the healer's hop in a second. <laughs> Meet with your supervisor. Create boundaries. We don't. I. I was never taught what boundaries were. I'm still learning them. I'm learning them mostly for my daughter. She teaches me all the time. Scheduling time. A second about boundaries. So the boundary thing I think is um, is that we have to look at the boundaries that we create within ourselves and with others, right? Mm. So there's, so we can have, so what I mean by that Mm. is the boundaries. um, So one of the things that I like to do is write down like what feeds me and bleeds me in life. So what fills my cup and what empties it. And that can be anywhere from like these habits and behaviors to thoughts, mm-hmm. <laughs> these like ruminating thoughts, right? Because oh, really we think that we're super expansive and creative beings and we are all of those things, but typically we have like 10 thoughts that keep coming through our minds. Anyway, so writing these down of like the things that really fill me up and the things that really drain me and then recognizing that I have to create my own boundaries to keep the things that fill me up close to heart and the things that drain me away. So personal boundaries Mm -hmm. and then the boundaries that we create with Mm -hmm. others. No, I will not pick up this extra shift. And then it can relate back to, cause that drains me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It doesn't allow me, you know, whatever the thing is that you value most. No, I will not have this conversation right now about time stamping my chart. We can discuss it when I'm done with my shift or maybe another day. Exactly. At the beginning of the day, when I'm more Mm -hmm. Mm self-resourced, when I have the capacity. Yeah. So boundaries, um, scheduling times to go outside. Yeah. So take a walk. Yeah. Another take a beat. So you can, I recall doing this a lot in my um, urgent care shifts when we have like, I don't know, 70 patients a day. 
and for two people and I would just one, like one, just leave, just go outside. It was just go outside five minutes, you know? And at first I thought that no one, let's like, so everyone would miss me, that my patients would be so mad at me. Well, they were already waiting forever anyway. What's well, five more minutes. <laughs> um, and then when I was in like more of a family practice and I actually left my desk during lunch and left it a decent hour after the end of the day, like, made myself leave. And then Erica, you had some ideas about if you're in a hospital setting and you're like on the 10th floor. Yeah, there's um, something called evidence-based design and you Mm -hmm. can um, build a little space for yourself that has pictures of nature. It It can have fake plants if you're not allowed to have real plants, maybe some soothing music, essential oils, aromatherapy. You could set this up at your personal desk if you have one. I know a lot of hospitals have like cubby spaces. I would recommend just setting up something like that or even just closing your eyes for five minutes. Going to the bathroom. I used to go to the bathroom all the time um, for my five minute break. Yeah. Awesome. Look up evidence-based design. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it, right? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to, uh, I feel like there's something else I want to talk about with this. Back to kind of the regulating of the nervous system. That we're meant to be in parasympathetic. Yeah. This is actually, that we're meant to be in the parasympathetic, that we're meant to be relaxed and still alert, but relaxed and with a deep knowing that all is well, Mm -hmm. even in the most traumatic in the physical way traumatic acute even end of life situation that when we're well self-resourced when we're able to breathe through it all that the outcome will always be just right Mm -hmm. and that this constant survival mode that we're all on and have been for so long is not the default Mm. for human beings Mm -hmm. and being regulated in our nervous systems means a better life for ourselves and eventually the collective because our inner world this whole thing inside colors are outside one. Mm. And when we can learn to do that and really tap into our innate wisdom of doing that, because that's, that is what we're born to do, to be, then everything will change. Everything will shift. Mm. That's where transformation comes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. We would love, love to hear your stories. Mm-hmm. And in the show notes, we'll have a way for you guys to connect with us. And then also some of the links of the podcast that we spoke about. And what else? That's it. Okay. Good. Thanks see. for joining us. Yes. Thanks for joining us. See you soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy you're here. We look forward to bringing you more stories from the healer's journey on healthcare from the soul. If you've loved this podcast, 
please let us know by dropping a review on Apple Podcasts to support us getting the word out. As our gift to you, we'll send you a meditation. Just screenshot your review and email us at healthcarefromthesoul at gmail.com. Thank you. And until next time, we're sending all our love.